Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and today's show is brought to you by WarbyParker.com. Get a free five-day home try-on. Go to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com, click on the resources page, and then click on the Warby Parker icon. It is that easy. You'll get five pairs, five days, 100% free. Okay, on today's episode, I am thrilled to have celebrity health expert and four-time New York Times bestselling author J.J. Virgin on the show. J.J. reveals how one life-altering event taught her to tap into an indomitable mindset, trust her instincts, and defy the odds, ultimately saving her son's life and her own. She'll share the lessons she learned that can help you create your own resilient mindset. So after a tragedy in 2012, where her son was struck by a hit-and-run driver and left for dead, she was told by doctors that he wouldn't last through the night and to let him go. With every reason to give up, JJ chose instead to invest her energy into the hope that her son would not just survive, but thrive. In the miracle mindset, she shares the lessons that gave her the courage to overcome the worst moments of her life. During this difficult time, she learned valuable personal lessons that helped her rebuild her life and find success and purpose in herself, her work, and teach her sons and community how to face their own obstacles and trials. Lessons like, don't wish it were easier, make yourself stronger, and your limitations will become your life, will lead you to your own personal power and purpose, even when the deck seems stacked against you. With true stories from her life, her clients, and her other well-known thought leaders, she can help you transform your mindset and your daily habits to endure the difficult battles that life sends your way. Insightful, personal, and completely relatable. Her new book, The Miracle Mindset, proves that miracles are possible when you show up, remain positive, and do the work. If you want more information on JJ's book, which is coming out very soon, uh, you can actually pre-order it. It should be coming out this week. You can go to the show notes here at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com and click on Miracle Mindset, or you can click on JJ's website to get more information. So in this episode, we discuss into more detail the heart-wrenching story behind the miracle mindset, her self-care tips to manage any of life's challenges, how to access the healing power of the body, and how to create a mindset which builds resilience and fosters hope to become fearless. So JJ is, this was so inspirational. Her son's story, I mean, you just... You can't believe it. You know, you can't believe how far she and her family have come. And, you know, she gives such great advice and she has such wise words to say. So, what might seem unfortunate and difficult challenges in life may often be opportunities in disguise. And, and this was one of a great quote The worst years are often the best years, they are also the years that you're going to grow the most because we don't grow when things are easy. And I couldn't agree more. It's JJ was wonderful. She's so generous with her, the information and with the story of, of this tragedy in her life. And I really appreciate her for being so honest and open with all of us. And hopefully uh, her story and her book, The Miracle Mindset, will help 
some of the li- the healthy, wealthy, and smart listeners out there uh, get past their own difficult situations. So thank you to JJ Virgin, and of course, thank you to Warby Parker. And for the listeners of the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast, Warby Parker is offering a free five-day home try-on to give you the opportunity to check out their glasses. So it was founded, Warby Parker was founded with a rebellious spirit and a lofty objective to create boutique quality, classically crafted eyewear at a revolutionary price point. They started around $95. So if you are in the market for glasses, head over to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com, click on the resources page, and then click on the Warby Parker link. You'll get five pairs, five days, try them on, hang out, go to work, ask your friends what they look like, get opinions or don't, but definitely click on the Warby Parker link and get your five pairs for five days for free. Okay, so thank you to JJ, thank you to Warby Parker, and thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. I'm sure you're going to get a lot out of it. And here is JJ Virgin. Hi, JJ. Welcome to the podcast, and Happy New Year. Thank you. Same to you. So how was your new year? Did you do anything fun, spend time with friends and family? I, you know, I moved to San Diego because all my friends were here and I was here all the time anyway. So now it's, um, it's fun all the time because there's so many of us around. So we actually had a great New Year's and went and saw, oh gosh, Brian Setzer Orchestra nice. that does, uh, yeah, it was super cool, that rockabilly stuff. It was very fun. So Very fun, very a fun. Good New Year's. Yes. yes. We didn't see Mariah Carey, so it was uh, good. <laughs> I missed I did, that one. You know, it, that was, it was very bizarre. <laughs> It was, I watched the aftermath of that. I'm like, how could that have happened? I don't get. I don't Gosh. get it. I don't get it. At any rate, she seems to be okay with it, and she's moving on. So, well, what can you what else? Can you do? Yeah. You what know? can you do exactly? And um, actually, well, that kind of ties in pretty well with what we're going to be talking about today. Um, so, you know, most people know you as a celebrity nutritionist, an author, a speaker, but. You have a new book that's coming out, The Miracle Mindset, and it's obviously a little different than the books you've written in the past, and we'll kind of get into that a little bit later once we talk about more about the story behind it. So can you tell the listeners a little bit more about your best worst year? Yes. Um so when the Virgin Diet was coming out, and that was like my first really big book, and uh, you know I had this amazing publisher, I'd gotten a big advance, and I just I, I'd been I'd been using the program with my online community for a couple of years, so I just knew it had the potential to really impact a lot of people, and so I decided that I was going to totally go for it, and I did a public television special, we had a publicist. I just, I had a big online book promotion, everything, everything planned. And this was about six weeks out. So even though everything's planned, everything is not done, (laughs) but it was planned and everything was invested too. And I'm the primary financial support for my family. So I'd invested a lot of money, all my advance and then some, and I'd borrowed some money just to make this thing pop. Now, I come home one day, and I'd been taping video for the launch all day. I was tired. I come home. My 16-year-old son, I have two boys, 15-year-old Bryce, 16-year-old Grant. And Grant's my son with bipolar disorder, and he left school that day because of a of a migraine. And um, 
I come home and now he wants to go to uh, martial arts. And I'm like, well, honey, if you couldn't stay in school, you don't get to go to martial arts. Well, this got him completely upset. He kept escalating and arguing until finally he looked at me and he said, I'm not as strong as you think I am, mom. He stormed out of the door barefoot in his shorts, no ID, nothing, just walked out. And I kind of looked at that and I went, and it was dusk. And I thought, I'll let him blow off steam. I'll go walk over to a friend's house. We live in a really safe neighborhood. This was out in Palm Desert. Um, And the next thing I know, my younger son, my 15-year-old, runs into the garage. And he says, Mom, Grant's been hit by a car. And he's been airlifted to the local hospital. So we raced to the hospital, my ex-husband and Bryce and I. And, you know, it's like, it was really surreal, the whole thing, Karen. It's, it's you don't know what's going on. It's I, I felt like I was watching a movie. This couldn't possibly be happening to me because you know when someone's airlifted, it's really bad. No, it's not good. We couldn't get any info because, you know, until we got to the hospital. He was a John Doe there. Um, it was just a miracle. We actually even knew that, you know, drove by that site in the first place. And John and Bryce were able to find out that he'd been hit. Otherwise, he would have been a John Doe and died in the hospital that night. So we get to the hospital. The doctors usher us into a conference room. Second, not good thing, because, you know, if there's if things are OK, you don't go into a conference room. And the doctor in charge looks at me and says, um, First, he starts asking me all these questions. And I'm like, listen, I, I just need to know what's going on with my son. What is going on with my son? And they said, you know, he's been in a very serious accident. He was the victim of a hit and run. And he's got a torn aorta. And that's that's usually is going to be what ends your life. 90% of the people die from that right at the scene. That was what killed Princess Diana. Mm. And he said, it's like an onion skin hanging on. It's going to rupture sometime in the next 24 hours. Every hour, you know, your chance of rupturing just goes up exponentially. And then he said, and he's got multiple brain bleeds. He's in a deep, deep coma. They're called diffuse axonal injuries. And he said the the challenge is we have to fix his aorta, otherwise it's going to rupture, but we can't do that here without a blood thinner. So if we do it, his brain will bleed out. You can basically have his heart or his brain. You can't have both. And so we go in to see him and literally half his body's covered with road rash, glass sticking out. It's unbelievable. He's got bones sticking through his skin. He has mm. 13 fractures. I mean, it just, as my, my 15-year-old describes him, was just a heap of a human. And we come back in and we're talking to the doctor and my ex-husband says, well, I mean, can't this, can't this be done without a blood there? And he goes, yes, but not here. And, you know, the chance he'd survive that airlift to the other hospital is so slim. And even if he did, he'd never survive the surgery. And even if he survived the surgery, the chance that he would ever be even remotely normal, he's so brain damaged, is it's, it's just not going to happen. And my son, Bryce, looks at him and he says, so like a 0.25% chance. And the doctor said, that's about right, son. And Bryce said, we'll take those odds. That's <laughs> a wise that boy. I know he's so he's, you know, he, it was, it was like one of those things that you look at him and you go, you are just the most amazing human being. And it just, we, we all looked at the doctor. We said, we're, you know, I said, we're overruling you. We're, we're airlifting him. Now it's quite a process to get another hospital to find that other surgeon. He, you know, he at midnight now get him to accept the case. Cause once one doctor accepts the case, the other hospital basically relinquishes it and he had to accept it, um, get the hospital to accept it and then organize not only his cardiothoracic team, you know, his vascular surgery team. He had to also 
organized the orthopedic surgery team, the neurosurgery team, the critical care team, both the ped and the adult critical care, and find the stint that he wanted to put in, which was part of a study that had had ended a couple weeks prior. So he had to go locate it at another hospital, have it flown in. Remember, this is now in the middle of the night. And, and, and this has to happen in like 24 hours. Oh, no, this has to happen in like two Less, hours. Two hours. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, you know, and meanwhile, they're preparing Grant to fly him over there. And then, you know, he has to find the stint. Plus, the stint's not allowed to be used in kids. But he's like told us later, he goes, yeah, I just figured I'd ask for forgiveness. You know, once he was alive, there's can't, you know, if I've got him alive, I can do things. So that was the type of doctor we had. And that's why he was, why we're even having this discussion was that we had someone who just has that miracle mindset right from the beginning. And, you know, when we got to that hospital, not knowing if he was going to actually have made it through the airlift, we get there, he's made it through the airlift, that whole hospital team is full court press on it, right, working on him. The doctor comes over, he says, you don't need to worry, I've got this, you just go up to the, you go up to the waiting room, I'll come get you when I'm done. I went, all right. I mean, that's like what you want to hear. I was like, okay, that sounds good to me, right? Mm -hmm. So the doctor comes to tell us he's done and Grant's fine. His aorta's repaired. And then he says, you know, you know, so you can imagine how happy we are. And then the next breath is, but I have no idea about his brain. I'm not a neurosurgeon. <laughs> and, you know, I have no idea if he'll ever wake up. You got to talk to those docs. And those docs were basically like, we don't think he'll ever wake up. We have no idea, you know, so that was pretty, it was like, you're super high and then you go get dashed to low again. But they brought him in, us in to see him and he's in the ICU and, you know, we we're looking at this and this is not looking very positive. He's alive, but the doctors are telling us he'll probably never wake up. You know, we don't know what, how brain damage he's going to be. We don't know if he'll ever walk, any of these things. He's in a deep coma. And I looked over at my ex-husband and I thought, you know what, I truly believe you get what you expect. And as a parent, there's sometimes that you would really love a do-over in life, you know, so I looked at him and went, this is the do-over and I, this is it. He's going to be 110%. This is going to be the best thing that ever happened to him, to our family. And we'll get this information out as to how we've done this to as many people as possible. And that was just the decision we made. And it was it's the decision I've been living with ever since is that my grant and my son's going to be 110%. Although there's been plenty of times all along the way that there was no sign whatsoever that he'd be 110%. In fact, most of the time, mm -hmm. you know, but when you make that decision and you operate from that principle of like, what do I need to do to help him be 110%? When you ask those questions, you get very different answers than, you know, what do I need to do to help him, you know, be alive, right? <laughs> to be sure. good enough. And I figured, heck, if I go for 110% and I get to 80, I still won. So. And do you, uh, you know, listening to that story, do you think if you're, if your younger son hadn't said, well, so there is a 0.25% chance, do you think as the family you would have banded together for this same um, outcome, you know, for the oh, same he's yeah. going to be? Yeah. We were already there. We were standing around in there and my ex-husband was as a med mal trial attorney. He actually, his, his brother's a doc, his mother, his sister-in-law is a doc and they, the sister-in-law went to med school with the doctor who actually did our surgery and knew him. Oh, come on. We found out that, you know, we, we were on the phone. I was on the phone with, um, you know, the 
the best friend of the head of UCLA Healthcare. We were like on it. It's it's middle of the night and we're like, we're on it. You know, we're calling people and finding out everything we need to find out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I say that because, you know, most of these people were on the East Coast we were talking to and we're like on the phone. So we were going for it um, no matter what. And Bryce just, you know, he just actually, he has the mindset too. We all did. So did Grant. Um, cause it took everybody deciding they were going to fight. If Grant had decided he didn't want to have anything to do with this, cause he was given the option. He describes it later that you hear about where people are given the option to live or die. He had the gray man come down and say, do you want to live or die? And, uh, he said, you know, I didn't really want to, but I kept hearing your voice and I decided to fight. So it took all of us really Mm -hmm. saying, we're going to stand up, we're going to do this, you know, no matter what it takes. And when you go through something like that, it takes all of you to be there anyway, because sometimes, you know, when someone's, when someone's slipping into a pity party or feeling a little bit hopeless, you need to have other people around as your lifeline. But the big thing that gave us was hope. And, you know, as long as you have hope, you've, you can do it. You just have to have that, that hope, right. To grab on. And, and, you know, it, a lot of times, you know, I'm a physical therapist. Oftentimes we're seeing patients when they're maybe at their worst. I'm sure your son had PT out the wazoo in his recovery. And so how do you, as the caretaker, because I think this is an important question for all those people out there listening, but how do you as the caretaker, how do you keep it together and and keep yourself motivated and hopeful when there are these ups and downs? So are there any self-care tricks that you learn that you can pass along? Yeah, and it's it's interesting because there was the immediate issue, right? The immediate like 24 hours of, is he gonna actually live so we can do anything about this? And then there was the next four and a half months in the ICU and in in the hospitals, then there's been the last four years of recovering from a brain injury. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's which, when the hard work really comes That was in, actually right? the hard work. You know, people yeah. look at think the hard work was in the hospital. That hasn't been the hard work. The hard work's been the last four years. Sure. And, you know, I'm fortunate that I have an amazing ex-husband who's been there, patient. I, I'm the one that goes out into action and finds the resources, and he's the one who really kind of is there on the day-to-day, and it's a, a great partnership in that way. But, I mean, it requires a lot of emotional strength because someone coming through a brain injury is not like, gosh, I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much for helping me. No, <laughs> that's, that's, you, not, that's usually not how it happens. It's not happening no. at all. It's been brutal. Um, but, you know, the first the first total night in the hospital, it was the second night after he'd been hit. I remember standing there and just realizing what it was going to take to pull this off. I had a book coming out. I had to make the thing work because otherwise I'd be bankrupt. I pay for everything. I had to make the money to be able to do this. And I had to be there, like not leaving. So, you know, you look at it and go, what do I what do I need to be able to do in order to be able to think straight, not get sick? You can't get sick when your son's in the ICU with tubes coming out of everywhere. What am I going to have to do? And, you know, for most people, I think this would have been a time that they were like, you know, that's it. Screw it. I'm having the donuts. I'm staying up too late. I'm just doing, you know, whatever I have to do to survive. And I flipped it and I looked at this and I went, in order to do what I need to do, I'm going to have to practice extreme self-care. Now, I walked into this situation healthy and 
Grant walked into this situation already on high dose fish oil and healthy and strong, which is what saved him. So there's that first takeaway that you never know when you're going to be met with one of life's biggest challenges or like biggest opportunities. And if you're one of those people that says, I'll get healthy tomorrow, you're in trouble. You know, like Mm -hmm. there's no tomorrow here. Tomorrow we would have had, you know, my son wouldn't be here. So it just, it takes away that, like, let's procrastinate this. You cannot procrastinate it. But I also stood in that, that hospital and went, I've got to be even healthier. I've got to make sure I get my sleep every night. I was getting eight to nine hours of sleep every night. I've got to make sure I keep my workouts going. I was most of the times bursting in the hospital, so I didn't have to leave, but I found a gym quarter mile away. I found a Whole Foods close by. I was bringing in food. As soon as Grant intubated himself, I brought food in for him as well. Um, and that's how I rolled the whole thing. It's just, you just make it work. So I practiced extreme self-care and people are like, I can't believe it. But when you really look at it, it's really was the most selfless thing I could do because if I hadn't, I wouldn't have been able to show up for him. Right. So, so actually putting yourself first, I like that putting yourself first was the most selfless thing you can do. And I think a lot of people, particularly women need to hear that. Yes, because boy, we sure don't. Um, I still remember, Karen, like a couple years ago, I was working with a gal and we went through a very smart, successful businesswoman, very structured. This is what, and so we went through what she needed to do. She actually came to me because she'd had a health crisis and she ended up in the hospital and she realized, wow, I can't do this. I'm the financial support for my family. I've got to take care of myself. So we lay out her plan. And she has to report. It's one of the things I always make people do. And, you know, and I don't hear from her. I'm like, well, this is weird. She's like, this is not the type of person she presented herself as. We get on the phone to talk. And I go, what's what is going on? She goes, well, I couldn't start yet because I had to get all of these other things done. And the other things were getting my life insurance in place, like things like that, right? And I'm like, okay, so you put your life insurance priority above taking care of yourself so that life insurance wouldn't matter. Is, is that, am I curing this one right here? But she hadn't even made it on her top 10 list. And I think that she is unfortunately more of the norm than the exception, I, right? I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I do. I think I know as a working mom that, you know, when I'm working, it's like, oh, I should be with my kids. And I'm with my kids. Oh, I should be working. And you go home and you've got to do lunches and <laughs> dishes and laundry and and, you know, where in there is supposed to be the hot bath and the, you know, <laughs> the reading and yeah, the exercise yeah. and you're like going, well, what can get cut? I know it's like you can't cut feeding your kid, you know, so. Yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting you should bring that up because there was a post today on a business physical therapy group about how can I have my own business and do what I want to do when I have two little kids at home? How can I fit all this in? You know, it's, it's interesting because I actually had two little kids. I was the financial support. I was in grad school and starting my own business. And so how do you do all this stuff? Yes. One of the things is, and, and when I looked at the three things that allowed me to help save my son, there are three things that allow you to do anything, actually. One was the extreme self-care. Two is essentialism. So... I remember with my kids when they were little, we went to some Easter egg hunt and you could win a prize for having the best Easter egg basket. And I, my gosh, spent a week making their Easter egg baskets so they'd have the best ones and win the prize, like paper mache and also like ridiculous, right? Did they care at all? Not remotely, you know? Oh, did like, your kids like, care? 
No. Yeah, they did not care. Of course. No, they did not care. Would they ever remember this? They were two and three. You know, so you look at stuff that you put as important and you go, okay, if here's my jobs, be a great mom, be a great partner and, you know, support my family. And what stuff has to happen to do that? And what stuff is not important? And what stuff could get, you know, what in there could be automated like bill paying and even groceries now with Amazon Fresh? What can be delegated? Where can I get someone to help me? who is their times, you know, not as expensive as my time. And what don't I have to do? Like, do the kids toys really need to be organized by, you know, the GI Joes go there and the dinosaurs and go there and the Legos go there? No, they don't care. They're going to dump them on the floor again. So that was the big part is like, how do you get essential? And then who can help you? And I'd never been a good one for asking for help. But when this all happened, I sent an SOS out to my entire community and asking for any support that people could give. And it came in droves. And, you know, you look at a lot of the stuff that you can do as a mom just and with other working moms supporting each other. So there's so much that stuff we can do. And, you know, we just don't, you get, you get bogged down in your stuff and you don't think about it. But if you go back to going, here's what I need to get done. Here's, you know, here's where I'm putting myself and my health. Then here's what I need to do for my family and my business. And who can I get to support me? And, and cross out the rest. Yeah. And I think it's important that when you reached out for help, you weren't just reaching out to, you know, close friends and family, but rather you really spread a, a wide net here, right? And went into groups that you, that oh, you I have, would, like I, online see, groups and I, things like that. <laughs> and And I think oftentimes people don't realize the support they can get from people in whether you have an online group, whether it's on Facebook or, you know, a, a LinkedIn group, you'd be surprised at the amount of help and support you can get from people from all over, right? Yeah, you know, at first I was kind of uncomfortable doing, I, I thought, I, I, I hit send and I'm like, ah, you know, and, and hit post and I thought, oh my gosh, are people going to like go, I can't believe you're doing this. Like I, during the whole time my son was in the hospital, I lived this story online on Facebook. And what started to happen was, first of all, people showed up from all over the place helping. I had I had access to incredible information quickly. But I also realized now I get I get emails, instant messages, Facebook posts on a regular basis from people who need the same. And I've got the information I can help them with. So it's really amazing when you think about what we're able to do now because of social media and how we can share this information in real time, you know, that can make a massive difference. Yeah. And and you never know who is out there who may know someone who can give you the perfect gift that you're looking for. Exactly. I mean, that's what I had, um, Barry Sears on the phone sending me all the, the fish oil research. I had Donald Stein on email who did all the progesterone research. I mean, it just, you can get to people now. And if you can't get directly to them, you can get to that person who knows all of their information who can give it to you, which is part of what, you know, I realized my next level will be with all of this is to really have the information out there to help people heal their brains. Because one of the things that was most upsetting to me, and again, it still all goes back to mindset. The doctors told me there was nothing that I could do but wait that the brain has its own time schedule, which is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But I was told the same thing when I hit my head and had a concussion. There's nothing you can do. It was a year. You know, fortunately, I, I knew better, but I didn't know the level of stuff that I know now, because 
had it been my kid, you know, I'm going to go look for everything for myself. I'm like, okay, I'll take some fish oil and brain nutrients, you know, for my son. It's like, what do I need to do? Um, but I want that information to be out there. There's 17 million brain injuries a year and people are told that you just need to wait. And that is actually what you don't want to do. Yep. You know? Yep. Yep. And there's a great book. Have you read um, Deutsch's book, The Brain That Changes oh, Itself? Isn't he amazing? It's, oh my gosh. Yeah. Once you read that book, you will never look at the brain. And, and this is regardless of whether you work in the health and, and medical industry or not. You know, it just, it's, it just shows you that, yes, our brains are plastic. And do you know how long they're plastic for? Until the Ever. day we die. Yeah, forever. They forever, are forever, forever changing. And you can heal those brain injuries at any time. And mm -hmm. that's the other part. My gosh, it's like people go, well, but it was two years ago, four years ago, 10 years ago. Like, you know what? Start now. So that's the other piece. When you really sit around a table and you ask people, well, have you ever hit your head, you know, and saw, seen stars or heard your bell, you know, had your ears ring or bell rung or whatever out. you want to call it? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's, it's hard to find someone who hasn't and then you, or you've been around vibration, big vibrations that will create brain injuries as we know from our vets. Yeah. And by the way, it's cumulative. And, yes. and it's, so you look at, it and you go, okay, people with brain injuries, they have lack of an internal editor or a filter. So they might have more anger issues, um, more addiction issues more depression and anxiety issues, they'll have memory issues. And then you look at the fact that 26, over 26% of us have anger issues, depression issues, <laughs> you know, at any point in, in, uh, in the country, at any point in time, 50% of us have those. You wonder where, where is that all really coming from and how much of that is a brain injury or at least a brain injury is contributing and we're not even looking for them. I had someone, Karen, the other day, she posted on Facebook, a friend of mine, she goes, Oh my gosh, the worst thing happened today. My, we were surfing. It was a beautiful day. My husband was putting the surfboards on the top of the van. He got caught up in a towel. He fell to the ground, head first, hit his head, got knocked out, was talking nonsense to us. We took him to the hospital, and thank God they said he didn't have a brain injury. And it freaked me out. I mean, yeah. I was like, got to be kidding. You've got to be kidding. Yeah, there, there, there really needs to be a, a much wider discussion that brain injuries go far beyond just what your son endured or yes. do you know what? Like, of course, Which like is people what can people understand. Yes. People understand that's a brain injury. A concussion at any level of a concussion is a brain injury. So mm -hmm. when you have those kids playing sports and they get knocked out and say, Oh, it's just a concussion. No. There's no such yeah. thing as just a concussion. That is a brain injury and needs to be treated accordingly. Exactly. And, and now there's so many more resources out there because of some great research and brain mapping techniques that you can help these people regardless of when that injury was because yeah, their brains exactly. are always changing. And that is what's so exciting is what you can do for people over time. I mean, and I, I'm literally making that my, that is like my passion project is to find all the different things. I mean, everything from fish oil to neurofeedback to hyperbaric, um, we're doing interthecal stem cells, um, interthecal autologous stem cells. So we had Grant stem cells pulled from fat, grown in a um, lab, 
and then re-injected into his spine. Mm. We've done it twice now. It's mind-blowing. He's having memories back from when he was four and five years old. That's interesting. Um, Everything has shifted. And so, and again, we've done, gosh, we have a pulse electronic, electromagnetic field headband he wears. We do all sorts of stuff for him. Is he still going to physical therapy and cognitive therapy and all that? So, yes, he does. um, He went to some very interesting physical therapy. When we were first in the hospital, they had to get super creative because he had a crushed heel injury and he was in a wheelchair. He was was non-mobile for three months and then they brought him back. Yeah, Yeah. it was was incredible what they did. Um, And first it was just connecting up his, you know, his hands. So it was like throwing balls and drawing and all sorts of stuff like that. And then we started into the movement and they were just amazing. And then they started doing yoga in the hospital Mm -hmm. too. And um, then he came back and he worked with an incredible PT and, and functional coach out in Palm Desert, California, who was amazing. We've got footage of that that's actually in the documentary that we did around this. And now he does a lot of balance work. Yep. Um, you know, he's, he does tennis. He does ping pong. Um, you know, but a ping, lot of balance ping pong work. is the best. I do ping pong with some of my patients with neurological issues. And it's amazing how well that works. Yeah. It's, it was Dr. Amen suggested that one to yeah, us. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you get uh, hand eye coordination, you have weight shifting, you have, uh, it's just a great, uh, people downplay ping pong. I say, no, go for no, it. No, it's like, it's, well, you want to do some kind of coordination stuff. He yeah. started, he, the only real physical thing that, that came back from this, I mean, he's had a couple knee surgeries. He might have to have a heel surgery, but um, another heel surgery. But the big thing was he lost some hearing in his left ear and the doctor told him he'd never hear again, which he completely poo-pooed, which, you know, we've kind of, we've kind of gone, okay, yeah, but you were never supposed to wake up. You weren't supposed to live through the night. We don't like listen to any of that. You'll never, and you'll never, ever, we're, we call him the never gonna and we disregard. So uh-huh. Grant's gotten a lot of the hearing back and he's, but he's also been working on balance because that was one of the things that it was impacting. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a lot you can do to rewire your brain with yep. doing coordination and balance. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And now let's talk about, uh, so now we have a pretty good backstory. So let's talk about the book. So like I said at the top of the interview, you're a nutritionist. You've written four New York Times, or four, yeah, New York Times bestselling books. Why change the script? Why change what works and go with (laughs) something different? It's a miracle mindset. It sounds different. I mean, it's not a diet book, that's for sure. Right, right. But my big overarching goal, I've got two. Um, The first thing is to give people simple science-based solutions that can up-level their health. I kind of added in and your life. And things like gratitude and celebrating wins and forgiving actually have a lot of research behind them. Developing resilience, a lot of research mm-hmm. behind it. So yeah. they're actually science-based. And what I put together in the book and on the companion program are science-based solutions. And the bigger thing really is ultimately why give people those? Because we have to take responsibility 
for our health and for our lives. We're so easily giving this over to a doctor. You know, think, I think back and I sh- it scares me if I just listen to the first opinion and that's all you're getting are opinions, right? Yep. yep. We've got to take responsibility, whether it's where we are in our career, our relationships, our finances. The minute you just give that power away, you've lost control. You've got, there's nothing you can do. If you say, this is my life, I'm responsible, changes everything. When I queried my community and I said, okay, if you're not where you want to be with your health right now, why not? And I really literally care and expected them to say, because I can't give up sugar or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I thought I was going to get. But that's not what I got. What I got was because I'm not good enough, because I don't feel worthy. And I realized that with whatever you're doing in your life, it becomes a mindset issue. Grant's here because our mindset was be open to possibility, you know, fight for it. You're stronger than you think, right? We're just like, what do we need to do here? We, we chose the 110%, right? And we are wherever we are in our life because of what our mindset is. It's not a shortage of strategies. My gosh, there's books and videos sure. and classes. The strategies are there. But if your mindset's limited, that's as far as you're ever going to get. Yeah, I, I, and, and getting that knowledge out there into the world is probably one of the biggest things you can do. You know, I, I had interviewed Dr. David Butler a couple of months ago. So he's a pain researcher and educator. And he had a great quote that is, knowledge is the greatest pain liberator of all. And I think we can insert knowledge is the greatest XYZ liberator of all. Yeah. Pain being one, right? Weight loss being another happiness it's so i think getting that knowledge out there is the best thing you can do for people because with knowledge comes that locus of control over themselves if there's knowledge because again i felt like i had to do this because so many people asked me how i did it then they were expecting karen it was the fish oil it was, you know, the stem cells, it was the hyperbaric, they were expecting like, how did you save your son? And how were you physically able to do it? But the real answer, again, is above all of that has to be that decision that I can do this, I can step up, you know, I've got this, right? It's scary. I'm stepping into it. I'm not leaning away from it. I'm not going to run away. I'm going to expand my comfort zone. I've got it, right? That's it. That's it. And then Yes. I mean, it's like, and here's what's cool. The internet's the great equalizer. You can get this information out there. You can get to anyone and everything now on the internet. So there is no shortage. It's not like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, where you would have been like, okay, what do I do? You know, and you wouldn't have been able to get to the people in time to get the information you needed. Now you really can. Yeah. And, and I think uh, oftentimes people are sort of looking for that magic pill, that magic piece of advice, this magic exercise, and then all of a sudden they'll be better. When in fact, it does take, it takes the work and it takes a mind shift change and changing minds, mindsets and, and changing very tightly held beliefs is not easy. It's not easy. That's an understatement. Um, but the payoff is massive. Yeah. And I believe that the way you do things is just in small little steps, in little stages. You just, you know, you pick the first thing, you build confidence, you go to the next thing, you build confidence. And there's actually very simple techniques 
that you can do that make massive shifts. And one of them, and it's funny, this actually has a really good um, track record with building resilience. And it's the easiest thing possible to do. And it's one that I do every single morning. And sometimes I'll spend 30 seconds doing it. Sometimes I'll spend 10 minutes doing it. But I pull out my journal. I take a pen. I don't do this online. Pen to paper. And I write down what I'm grateful for. Then I might write down what I'm manifesting, what my goals are, all that. But I, it, I always get in, no matter what, three things I'm grateful for, three people I'm grateful for, for every single day. I, you know, I agree. And now that you mentioned that, I'm going to start that up again. I did do that for a while and kind of got out of the habit because, you know, it's like, oh, I'm feeling great. And then you kind of get out of the habit of doing things. So Yeah, but I, you don't realize why I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great because... <laughs> exactly. And so I have to get back into doing that. And I think it's also important that when you do these gratitude journals, and, and I used to do the same thing, I would write three things I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for or thankful for. It doesn't have to be big overarching things. Yeah, no, right? I mean, like it could literally, be, it's it raining be... out, I'm thankful for my rain boots. Exactly. I mean, and that's the big, that's the big takeaway, because people go, but there's nothing I can be grateful for. I'm like, you woke up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Yeah, you woke up and you're not outside in the street in a sleeping bag with a grocery cart. So there's another one, Yeah, you know, um, it's crazy. You know, I've looked around at like, I love the place I live in right now. And I sometimes I just go, I can't believe I'm living here. You know, I can't wait. And I've got this amazing fiance and a cute dog and my son's alive and my other son's doing fantastic. And it's like, you just got to look at those things because it'd be easy to forget about those things and, and look at what's, I mean, this last year was a really difficult year and it was also mm -hmm. an amazing incredible year and you kind of go back through your life and it's interesting because the best the worst years are often the best years and they're also the years that you're going to grow the most because we don't grow when things are easy right you have to grow push yourself you yeah. have to. yeah you have to push you have to nudge yourself up and step into those places that maybe you're fearful of or that make you uncomfortable and learn from that and say to yourself, this might be a place that I'm fearful or I'm afraid of, but I know that I can do this, or I have the support. I know there's peace when I get to the other side. You know, whatever mantra you want to say, I think that you're right. You can't, if, if you're just staying still in one spot, where, where are you going? <laughs> nowhere nowhere and by the way if you're staying still in one spot you're not even staying still you're sliding down yeah, the hill. yeah because <laughs> everybody else is going still. forward right it's like there really isn't and that's that's the bigger takeaway and the cool thing is every time you step out into something that's scary i love the saying do one thing a day that scares you because honestly every time you do that you expand that comfort zone and you go, I used to be scared of that, really. Like now that I've gone through it, I've gone through where you nearly lose your son and I'm in the hospital and I'm doing this book launch and I've borrowed money to do this. And I find out that I forgot to calculate shipping, which is another 50 grand. I have no idea where I'm getting this. I'm looking at the whole thing going, you've got to be kidding me. And I look back at that now and it is really hard to freak me out at this point, yeah. you know, because like people go, aren't you worried about X, Y, Z? I go, is anyone dying? No, I'm not worried. And, you know, my son, my 15-year-old, who literally walked up to Grant on the stretcher in the coma the first night with the blood everywhere and glass sticking out and bones sticking out and was like, dude, bro, 
you look really bad, but you can do this. <laughs> you know, and I'm like going, I can't believe he's doing this. Yeah. It's like once you've gone through those things, it's really hard to get rattled. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, I think in your case, it just sounds like, you know, your perception and perspective just became reality. Right? It's, Oftentimes it, our 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 perception of things when it becomes reality is not actually reality. It's just right. what we're with the the thing we're playing in our head. Well, but I also believe like Grant I'm making it reality. Like there was nothing along the way for this kid to look like he was going to be 110%. Mm-hmm. And I'm also seeing the 110%. Mm-hmm. So, so often we see, it's funny when you look at something and someone will say, oh my gosh, that was the worst movie I ever saw. And someone says, that's the best movie I ever saw. Or that was the worst party. It was the best party. You know, right, right. <laughs> so, it's like, what if your, what if your perception was to find what was good about something? And honestly, I had to do that, Karen, because I was scared to death. I mean, it was terrifying. Like my son comes out of the coma and I thought he'd come out of this coma, look at me and go, hi, mom. I love you. I didn't know. The doctors, I said, so what what do I expect? They go, oh, it's going to be ugly. That's all they told me. It's going to be ugly. I thought they meant it would be ugly for like five minutes, not that it would be ugly for years. And um, no one prepared me for that, that... A person comes out of coma over time. They don't have an editor. It's scary. They could be violent. We had a 24-hour security guard and him in a zipper bed and a, a big uh, cocktail of Haldol, Benadryl, and Ativan to knock him down mm-hmm. when the Incredible Hulk showed up. Mm-hmm. It's um, Yeah, it's not like it in the scary. movies where they just no. open their <laughs> eyes and they're like, hello. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I watched that movie while you were sleeping and yeah, you woke up yeah, at yeah, the yeah. door and I was like, sure, this was going to be it. And I'm like, okay, this would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's not how it works. Well, <laughs> not at all. I mean, I, I have to thank you for your candidness and you're willing to share all of this because I know it's just going to help so many people. Um, so now where can people find out more about you? Well, my stuff is all at jjvirgin.com. And then I've also created, I created a documentary for this at miraclemindset.com forward slash movie that we are having a special online premiere of. So I spent, um, that was, that was another big project that when I'm in the middle of it, I'm going, oh my gosh, I'm reliving this over and over and over. (laughs) But I just had to get this information out. So we've got the book, Miracle Mindset, and the movie, You Are Stronger Than You Think. And then, you know, on my website and on my Facebook page, a lot of resources to help people wherever they are in their life, help to show up and step up in a bigger way. Yes. And now what about the book? Where can we get the book? So the book, the book is everywhere. The book, February 21 is the pub date. It will be an Amazon Barnes Noble. It's pre-order orderable at this point. And of course, it'll be in all the bookstores too. Awesome. Well, JJ, I have to, again, thank you so much. And, and I just know that people listening to this, I know I can say from a physical therapist point of view, I love hearing from people on the other side. You know, we often just hear from other physical therapists, but I love hearing from a caretaker or from a patient point of view. So thank you for sharing. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. And everyone, thank you so much. Again, you can find out more about JJ at jjvirgin.com. And of course, all of the links to everything that we talked about today will be at the show notes 
at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great week, and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thank you.